Hello, everyone. I'm Warren Smith, and I'd like to welcome you once again to the Ministry Watch podcast. Here at Ministry Watch, we bring you news about Christian ministries as well as the latest in charity and philanthropy, all designed to help us become better stewards of the resources God has entrusted to us. Regular listeners to the program know that these Ministry Watch Extra episodes are a chance for us to go deep with some of our editorial partners. But today I'm bringing you something a little bit different because my guest today is not one of our normal editorial partners, but someone who has become a go-to guy for me. When I want to talk about issues of leadership, branding, and the general state of the evangelical church. And that person is Phil Cook. Phil Cook got his start in media working on the television program of Oral Roberts while he was still a student at Oral Roberts University. Over the years, Cook has become one of the nation's experts on the use of media in a Christian context. He has also, though, been outspoken on the need for men and women of integrity to lead Christian ministries. He's been critical of televangelists, and even though he is a media and marketing expert, he says that evangelical Christianity doesn't have a marketing problem. It has a character problem. I think he's right, and in the light of recent scandals involving Christian leaders such as Ravi Zacharias, James McDonald, Bill Hybels, and Jerry Falwell Jr., not to mention the way evangelical leaders have glibly dismissed the character questions that have dogged some of our political leaders, I thought it was time for us to have him back on the program to have a heart-to-heart discussion about some of these matters. Phil Cook is a working producer in Hollywood who also has a Ph.D. in theology. He's the author of half a dozen books on media and marketing and has been a contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, and the Huffington Post. He's also a member of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, as well as the Producers Guild of America. We wanted to talk specifically about the rebranding that Ravi Zacharias International Ministries is going through and whether merely rebranding that ministry is going to be enough. So, Phil Cook, welcome back to the program. It's been uh, been a while since I've had you on the program, but you and I talk and communicate pretty frequently. And uh, I knew you'd have something to say about this Robbie Zacharias thing. I did not know, though, that um, you had actually been kind of in consultation with uh, Michael Ramston lo- uh, long before this current scandal broke. Can can you talk about that and tell him the advice that you gave? Well, certainly. I, I've never worked with Ravi or never. I didn't know the ministry very well, although I've spoken at a couple conferences with Ravi. Um, I had dinner with him one night um, with my wife and some other speakers at a conference that we did in Manila in the Philippines. So I, I knew him just I'm not sure he would even remember me, but we had some nice conversations. And like probably you, I read most of his books and considered him a really brilliant, brilliant guy. And one of the things that um, I offered up early on is, uh, you know, as this scandal started to break very early, was that the ministry may want to consider changing their name. Uh, our team at Cook Media Group has done that with a number of ministries, not just for negative reasons, but for positive reasons. You know, there's in the culture we live in today, being the third Presbyterian church is probably not a compelling reason to get people to come and visit your church. So um, a lot of churches have approached us over the years about changing their name. And so sometimes in the middle of a scandal, 
that's something that you should consider is kind of rethinking the ministry on a lot of different levels. Changing the name and changing your perception is one of those things. But uh, he never followed up on that advice, right? I haven't gotten a response. No, that's true. That's true. But I'm sure, you know what, those guys have their hands full right now. They're going through a lot. And um, so we'll see. That's interesting to me, Phil, that that you offered that advice, you know, early on that they never followed up on it. And now, of course, the ministry, um, you know, they've taken Ravi's name off of everything. They've taken down his uh, social media platforms and everything else. I guess my real question for you, um, though, is this. Is this going to be enough? I mean, uh, you know, you can change the name of a ministry, but you and I have had this conversation before that evangelicalism doesn't just have a brand problem or a marketing problem. We've got a character problem. And uh, and if we don't deal with these character issues as a church, but I would say if Ravi Zacharias International Ministries doesn't deal with it as an organization, I don't see how any amount of rebranding or renaming or whatever you want to call it is going to work. Agree or disagree? Absolutely agree. Uh, re- renaming is never, you know, it's never just about renaming. It never solves the problem, but I'm not a counselor. I'm not a leadership or an organizational consultant. So, uh, you know, I, I, I depend on other people to go in there and solve the, the real core issues and problems they have. But I'm a media guy. I'm a media producer and a consultant. And so when it's time, I just think that if the, you know, my goal is to always try to save the ministry if possible. I've worked with numerous churches over the years that had a crisis with a pastor who had fallen from grace and done something, you know, just really out of bounds. And so my goal is to save the church. So once you go in there and solve the core problems, then maybe it's time to reemerge as either a new ministry, a new name for the ministry, uh, in order to try to complete the work that God's called that group to do. So, yeah, it's never, it's never, the, the changing the name is just the start, or I should say it's actually the finish. I prefer that you go in and fix the structural problems and the moral problems inside. Then let's talk about how we emerge from this uh, and how our perception should change. Well, I appreciate that. And let's just stipulate for the record, um, all those things that you just said, that you're not an organizational development guy, that you are a brand guy, and that you have a bias towards saving the organization, saving the ministry. You're, you know, you're brought in to, you know, not not drive a stake through its heart, but to try to, you know, um, get it up and running again. But I do. But you're also a churchman. You're also a committed Christian. You're also someone who cares about the gospel and the peace and purity of the Church of Jesus, as uh, maybe some of the ancient um, church fathers used to say. They would maybe use that language, peace and purity. Um, so, I mean, at what point does a ministry become, I, I, you know, not worth saving, where, you know, you sort of liquidate the assets? I, I, you and I have had this conversation offline where you said there are a lot of great people there, and I don't doubt that there are a lot of great people there, and we're a lot of great people at RZIM, but maybe it's the time for them to go do their own thing and that the ministry should just be allowed to die. You know, it's funny, early in my career, I worked for a major national ministry and the leader, the, the evangelist that ran the ministry told me that success without a successor is failure. And I, I thought about that a lot. And I simply don't agree with that. I think there is a time when God's called a ministry or a church or an organization to be raised up for such a time as this. And when that time is over, it's time to shut the doors and move on and reemerge as something else or just not reemerge at all. And so I do think there is a time when probably it's best not to try to, you know, 
know, there are ministries out there that have failed miserably over the years, but they've got a mailing list. So they're just beating a dead horse. They they're still sending out letters to donors. They're still trying to raise money. They don't do anything anymore. They don't really accomplish much in the world, but they're draining donor money from other organizations that are doing a remarkable job. So you're right. There is a time and this may be the moment for Ravi Zacharias Ministries where they just close the doors and uh, walk away. Well, uh, and I've got to tell you that, um, you know, I have a bias, and here at Ministry Watch, to be perfectly honest with you, we haven't taken an official position on this yet, but, uh, you know, I, I, I guess it's as close to an official, po- since I'm the president of Ministry Watch, my opinion counts for <laughs> as much of an official position as anything. And and I would have to say that as long as the current board is in place at, at Robbie Zacharias, as long as the current leadership is in place there, um, I, you know, I don't think that this ministry deserves to continue. Uh, that that I think that um, that you know an early step should be that they get the existing leadership and the existing board out of the way. Do you have a reaction to that? Absolutely. You know, it's it's interesting. Obviously, you know, we don't know a person's heart, and you can hide things. However, I have to say, in today's digital culture. It's very tough to hide anymore. I mean, in my case, I, I've set it up so that I have some safeguards. My my wife, my assistant, a couple pimp members, uh, other members of our team have access to my email, have access to my social media accounts. I mean, th- it would be virtually impossible for me to try to have an affair, or let me just let me just say, really hard for me to do something stupid on the side and somebody not see it, somebody not be able to respond and make a make a fix. So it is kind of hard to believe, and I'm not on the inside. I don't want to, you know, uh, cast aspersions on anybody, but it is hard to believe in today's digital world that they didn't have the safeguards in place that somebody would have noticed this stuff. Somebody would have seen something going on. Uh, You know, I understand he had multiple phones and you can get away with some things on burner phones and things these days. But still, with the things that were going on that's been reported about his email, text messaging, things like that. Those are things that other people should be able to see and have access to. And it is really surprising. And so in that light, I would say, yes, maybe it is time for the board to step down, senior leadership to be, you know, let's rethink the senior leadership here. They might be in a position to step down. So even though you can hide some things, when you look at the scope and the scale of what he's been accused of, wow, it's really hard to believe that nobody knew anything was going on. Well, I think that that's the case myself. I think that if they if they did know and did nothing, they're culpable. They have liability there. If they didn't know, they should have. Is my position um, that that's their job? That's the board's job is to is to put safeguards in place. And I'm you know I'm like you. Other people have access to all my social media accounts. I do not, and you know ha- I've, I, my wife has access to my phone. There are you know, safeguards that I have in place as well. And I think any ministry leader should, to be perfectly honest with you. I know when I was at the Colson Center, uh, I left the Colson Center just about the time that, that we were implementing this um, this policy. But senior leadership at the Colson Center couldn't even travel alone anymore. And um, and I think that, um, it, it you know, it was going to be a cost to the ministry to have someone go with John Stone Street or myself or others, but we just felt like it was a cost worth incurring, especially we consider the cost of Ravi Zachari- that Ravi Zacharias International Ministries is paying now uh, for not incurring those very minor costs earlier. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I, I had a pastor years ago. I had a pastor tell me, Phil, you know, it'd be best if you didn't mention to my congregation about my yacht. And I said, you know what? You're an idiot. I said, number one, with Google, they can download that. They can find the title for the yacht online. And if they've got Google Earth, they can download a satellite shot of the boat sitting at the dock. You know, you just can't hide this stuff anymore. You're, you're an idiot if you think you can get away with this stuff for very long. And so you're right. There's just we live in a digital world today and things have changed. In the old days, you could you know, you could hide a jet. You could hide a house in, in Beverly Hills or someplace. But, you know, you really can't get away with that stuff so much these days. It's much more difficult. No, that's exactly right. Well, okay, Phil, let's fast forward here a little bit. You know, you're you're king of the world. I'm one of us, or I'm king of the world. One of us is king of the world. We'll imagine for a minute, and and uh, let's just stipulate for the record that I know I'm not, but let's just imagine that that one of us is. And you know, we could fast forward six or eight months, and and uh, you know, some of this, uh, Ravi, some of the debacle is behind us. It certainly won't all be behind us, maybe never. But you're brought in. You're asked to give advice to this organization, whether it's the, uh, you know, I hope it's a completely new organization with a new board and a new leadership, but, but whatever it is, it's a, you know, it's new co as they would say in the, as a corporate secular world, we've got a new co here, a new company. What's your advice to them? Well, it's really interesting. I think that a lot of it depends on the donors. You know, a, a ministry organization survives by the donors and it's what they want to do. And so I know that I've heard that the board has shut down all incoming donations for the time being, which is probably a smart move. And I would just do a survey with them. I would love to interview some donors and find out how they feel about this because they're primarily the lifeline that keeps an organization like this alive. I, I would also say, you know, it, it would probably be smart, even though you've got a building paid for it. So sad to see that go away, but it would probably be smart to sell the building, reemerge as something completely, completely different. Now, I have under have heard with with Zacharias that they're changing even the mission of the organization. They're moving to supporting evangelism efforts and working, supporting with abuse victims and people like that, which is a totally different thing from being a ministry you know, focused on Christian apologetics. So it does seem like they're making some smart moves along that line. And I think that's a really wise choice to do. Well, I guess I'm operating under the theory that the current leadership either knew or should have known that abuse was going on. So now we are going to let the same team that allowed the abuse to happen in the first place, go to the victims and say, we're here to help you. That does not really sound like. Well, no, we didn't talk about, let's be fair. We didn't talk about whether the board stays or not, or the leadership stays. I don't, I'm assuming that they want, but uh, because you're right, you're right for the same people. We saw that with, with Willow Creek. We saw the same board staying on for a certain amount of time during that whole process. And that just doesn't work. You're right. You're exactly right. Going to victims that you allowed this, or let me say, you, you may not have allowed it, but it happened under your watch to go to those same victims and say, we're going to help you now. That's just disingenuous. And I, I don't, that, that just doesn't work. You do need a fresh face, a new start, new leadership, new voices. And, uh, or as we said, close the door, walk away and just reemerge, have everybody do their own thing. Well, Phil, let's kind of land this plane a little bit because the vast majority of the people that are listening to us, um, you know, they're not involved with Ravi Zacharias. I don't know that RZ, anybody at RZIM is, you know, would, would be willing to take advice from either one of us, even if we're willing to give it. But there may be people listening to us who are thinking to themselves, I don't want this to happen to me. 
I don't want this to happen to my organization. And and I think we need to be honest that it's only by, you know, God's grace that we're protected from some of the temptations of the world. So you and I have kind of talked around some of the safeguards that you and I have in our lives to keep that from happening to us. But what are some others? Organizationally speaking, what would you recommend to a ministry leader or a church leader listening to us today um, to do to build a hedge around themselves and their organization to keep some of this stuff from happening? You know, it's interesting. I've worked with a ton of churches and ministry organizations in the light of a, a, a moral failure like this. And one of the things I've discovered is it's remarkably mundane, everyday things that lead to this. For instance, we built a building for our team here in Los Angeles. I made sure every single office has a glass door and a window. I want to make sure there's no private spaces in that building. You can't go hide anywhere. And because I just discovered it's amazing the number of situations where two people were working late at night at the church. Um, it, it was a, you know, a door that shut with no windows and it was total privacy. And one thing leads to another. And people will say, well, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, it really doesn't. You'd be amazed at the situations where it just started at church because they were able to have a private moment in a room with no windows, no doors, nobody was checking in. So I think the simplest thing people could do is think about just not having those private spaces at the church. Hey, you you know, glass is soundproof. If you want to make calls and you need privacy for phone things or meetings, you can do it with glass walls and windows and doors. That's no problem. So that's number one. The second thing I think is really be strict, as you said, about some things about how you spend time with women. You know, we have a number of women on our team. And if I have to travel to another city with someone who's not my wife, I either want to take my wife. But if we can't, if she can't go, we go on different airlines. We stay at different hotels. We get different rental cars, even though we're coming from the same place. We do all that stuff differently. And you'd have, you have no idea the number of ministries that have pulled me aside and said, we are so, we admire that so much. And we're willing to pay that extra money because we think it's so important that you do this. And so you just little things like that are often the key. You know, obviously there's character issues in people. And like I said, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a counselor, but it's practical everyday things that make such a big difference in so many of these cases. Well, I really appreciate um, those good words there, Phil, and I uh, appreciate your expertise and uh, appreciate you taking a few minutes to be on the podcast with me. Thank you so much. Thrilled to do it. That brings to a close this episode of the Ministry Watch podcast, my conversation with Phil Cook. To find out more about Ministry Watch, go to the ministrywatch.com website and hit the About Ministry Watch tab at the top of the page. We've recently added some new material there, including our latest financial statements and our statement of faith. I'd also like to end with a couple of housekeeping items. First, Ministry Watch is donor-supported. If you'd like to pitch in to make sure that Ministry Watch remains a viable endeavor, you can go to ministrywatch.com and hit the Donate button, which is also at the top of the page. And even if a few bucks is too much right now, I get it. I've been there. But there's something free and easy you can do to help us out, and that is to rate us on your podcast app. The more ratings we get, the easier it is for others to find us with search engines. So it's a great way for you to help out, and it only takes a few seconds. And by the way, though I can't respond via the podcast app, I do read all the comments, and they're both encouraging and helpful. So thanks very much. 
The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Steve Gandy. We get database technical and editorial support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Christina Darnell, and Casey Suddeth. I'm Warren Smith, and you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.